This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Multi-dimensional living has, well, multi-dimensions. From the practical and more mainstream angle, we all have a body, a mind, and a spirit. Each one of these aspects of the self operate on different levels at all times. When we look at multi-dimensions, we understand that the quantum field is alive and well. In this field, all of time and infinite dimensions exist in the now. We are not these physical containers, and yet we must honor them. We are not the mind, yet we must honor it and use it as a tool to support our soul's path. We are all spirit. Our essential selves have the capacity to gather insights and wisdom from all spans of time in all dimensions, says Katie Bray. Katie's work focuses on supporting us in moving more fully into our intuition, animating our soul in our lives, and showing us, through thoughtful practice, the magnitude of our power. Valeria Tellis interviews Katie Bray, the author of Live With The Lights On, 90 Days to Multidimensional Living. Katie's work is filled with wisdom. In one of the daily reflections, she writes, Everything you bring into your life, material and otherwise, only has the meaning you attach to it. If you feel a deep craving, to the point where your craving is bigger than you are, take deep breaths into your sacral chakra. This is an invitation to ask why you believe you are lacking on some level. Sometimes all you need to do is adjust the way you see something and you can be free from the attachment. Your desires can stay the same while your vision shifts. Katie Bray is a lifelong clairvoyant, energy worker, and gifted empath whose direct and loving approach has been transformational for her clients. By guiding them to achieve the next level of success with greater confidence, and authenticity. Katie is a Vedic master, herbalist, student of Tantra, and dancer. Her body of work is called Energy Architecture, which is based on her work with thousands of people who started to reveal to her common energy patterns that people confront on their spiritual journey. She's led more than 100 groups, teaching participants how to become more energy literate, Katie is an author, speaker, faculty at The Shift Network, 
and a catalyst for all who seek her counsel. Here is the interview with Katie Bray. In your own words, who is Katie Bray? A passionate lover of life and teacher. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) That's simple. (laughs) Very simple. Well, you know, you know, I think it's easy to get into different roles. Like I could say I'm a wife and a mother and I have my animals that are really important to me. And, you know, I'm a dancer, I teach dance. And um, there's so many things that I love and so many roles that I play. But when I think about, you know, who is Katie Bray, you know, I'm I'm here as a teacher, as a healer and as an ever evolving soul. And I think that that, you know, there's a lot of vehicles I use for that. Um, but But at the core, that's who I am. That's wonderful. Thank you for um, for your awareness. <laughs> and um, so I have a few warm-up questions before we talk about your book, Live With the Lights On, 90 Days to Multidimensional Living. So my first warm-up question is, what is life to you? Life to me is about remembering who we are. Um, and when I say who we are, you know, I think we we come here and we we fall into this state of forgetfulness and believe that we're human and and it's not that we're not. I think there's different levels of truth and all different levels of consciousness. But I think in essence, it's we're consistently being asked to return home to ourselves and return home to our essence. And so I, I really feel like life is about a consistent homecoming and opportunity to come back to that place and to remember the truth of who we are, which is really, you know, an expansive being who's here on this journey journey for a short period of time. And so, you know, embrace it and find the joy. I think, you know, a lot of us get here and we're so hardwired to struggle, struggle and work, work. And, you know, I think, I I think part of the remembering is that we, we really are beings of just endless joy. And the more that we can remember who we are, the easier access we have to joy and experiencing that in our lives. And I, and I think that that's really what life is about. Let's connect and be joyful and remember. Wow. Yeah. I love that. Absolutely love that. What do you think is the opposite of life? So that's an interesting question. In one sense, I'd say nothing. You know, I think everything everything is here to do what it does. Um, and at the same time, I think anything that does not expand is lacking in some kind of life or life force energy because I think the nature of life is to expand. I mean, we can see it in nature. Um, We can see it in ourselves if we look at our own journey. So really, you know, anything or anyone who is not um, consistently expanding at its at a natural pace, um, I believe is really sort of the, the absence of life or life force. Yeah, what a great answer, too. What is the meaning of freedom to you, Katie? 
Freedom. That's a great question. So we were recently, my husband and I were recently talking to one of our daughters um, a little bit about that. And, you know, to me, freedom, it requires discipline. I think despite what a lot of us think or are conditioned to think. Um, And what I mean by that is, you know, freedom really is an internal climate that we create. And it's not about restrictions that are put on us. It's it's the way that, for me, it's the way that I learn to discipline my thinking, uh, my energy, the way that I tend to myself and my needs. It requires discipline for me, but through that, I get to experience freedom because I, I feel, you know, I have an emotional maturity, emotional autonomy. I don't have to be dependent. My mood is not dependent on everything that's happening around me. And there's such a huge freedom in that, but that requires that I am consistently taking care of myself and tending my own garden. And so freedom is to me is something that we take responsibility for. um, And it's something that we create within ourselves so that we have the experience of it. Wow. That made me think about peace, uh, perhaps acceptance too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being there in the middle of the chaos, but just still. Um, at this time, what is the world's greatest need and what is your vision for a, n- a new reality? Well, I think, you know, at the time of this recording where the world is dealing with COVID-19 and I actually feel like that is the, this is the the hallmark of we as a collective embarking on the new earth, embarking on this new journey. And, and so I feel like we're seeing some of what it's calling out of us. I mean, obviously we can see all the fear and all of the, all of, you know, it calls so much out of us. We're in a human experience as spiritual beings, but you know, if, if we can sort of elevate the conversation, I feel like we're also seeing people who are being creative. We're seeing adaptability. We're seeing uh, unity. We're seeing compassion. We're seeing the vulnerability that we all share, that we can actually take care of each other. And part of taking care of each other is the way that we take care of ourselves and we respect ourselves. And and in essence, that allows us to respect other people. And, And so... I really feel that those are the elements that are going to be needed as we as we sort of move this this tipping point and we we tip the scales and we and we embark on this new journey together as a collective and create this new earth it's going to require a lot of those qualities from all of us. Yeah, that's true. That's very interesting the way you talked about this expression of these qualities, wonderful qualities. We already live in that new reality within this reality. Yes. Yes. Uh, my next question has to do with love. <laughs> what is love to you? <laughs> oh, well, at the risk of sounding cliche, I, I believe that really love is just about everything. I feel that we are love. I, I feel like love is the great creator. Love is the great equalizer. Great, love is the great stabilizing force. It is the ultimate healer. You know, I, I really, I feel it's it's the, the great connector. I think it's something for us to all live in reverence 
of and that it is an action. It is an experience. It is a way of being. It, it really is within the fabric of everything. And and when I say everything, I really mean that because even it's sort of like the yin yang, um, you know, where it's there's the the black and white, but even on each side, there's the the element of that other color um, mixed in on the opposite side is, is that it really is, it can be found within everything. And obviously sometimes, you know, it can be a little bit harder to spot, but when, when we are resonating with the experience of love within ourselves, it's easier to attract and connect to love in everything else. That's so true. Yeah. It starts here. Yes. What, where, and who is God to you? <laughs> well, God is love. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it is actually a similar answer for me to what I said about love because I, you know, I, I believe that love is the, or God is the ever presiding force. Um, I don't think it's, you know, a man in the sky. I don't, you know, I, I, I just, none of that has ever made sense to me. And that's no judgment to those who believe that, because I think, you know, when we, I think when anyone has a higher power that is benevolent, um, you know, and, and loving, I think that that's a good thing. Uh, but, but God to me is, um, really this overriding, um, overwhelming presence of love and, um, that doesn't always mean warm and fuzzy. So I don't mean that in the, you know, in the, oh, it's like bunnies and rainbows all the time. No, I mean, I think I, there's still this element of God creating a world for us to learn. And sometimes it's through contrast, we evolve and grow. And, and sometimes, you know, it can be painful, but, but all of it is in, is set in motion and in service of our greatest soul's learning and our greatest evolution. And I feel like the force of God is what sets all of that in motion and that God is as much you and me as it is anything else. Wow. I love your wisdom. And that's just the beginning of the conversation. <laughs> um, so do you see a difference, a clear difference between spirituality and religion? Uh, yeah, I do. You know, I, I actually talk about this in my my body of work called Energy Architecture. And I, I from my experience, my experience, you know, religion is it's it's actually the connection to religion is in a specific part of our energy body, which is is certainly not a bad thing. It's just different, um, and there's a whole structure to it. I, I I find that religion is more of an institution, and so it comes with a lot of the things that most institutions do. Whereas when it comes to God and a sense of spirituality, what is available to us is the liberation from some of that. Now in truth, I have to be honest with you, when I look at certain of spirituality or even quite frankly in like the new age or metaphysical world, I feel like there's a lot of dogma. It's just wearing a different costume. Um, and, you know, and, and so that always fascinates me. Again, not not judging. I'm just really fascinated by the different ways that we find our sense of spirituality or God, whether it's religion or not. But 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 really, in essence, I feel that God, uh, that religion is more of an institutionalized kind of scenario. Um, and, and some 
instances can pull people away from recognizing the God within themselves. And that's that's one reason why I'm not as interested in religion so much as I am in really understanding God within me and God within everyone and everything. An experience. So exactly. It's more living thing, right? Yes, yes. Uh, my last warm-up question, what do you think is the mission and the purpose of your life? The mission and the purpose of my life is to lead by example and to teach whatever it is that I learn. And for me, it just so happens that my world is about evolving spiritually, but that also includes being financially prosperous. It includes being emotionally balanced. It includes being physically healthy and having a certain level of vitality, having emotional, mental, physical, spiritual stamina. Um, And so I feel that you know, there's a lot, I, I'm definitely consider myself a leader um, and a spiritual leader at that. And I feel like it's time for new leadership on the world. And it's time for more leaders to step up and step in to this new kind of leadership where we live by example. And so, you know, one of the things that I that I tend to do is I, I do tend to attract a lot of um, a lot of other leaders are looking to understand how to be leading by example in such profound ways. And I, and I think that for myself, that's really, um, that's really my, my greater purpose. Um, it sounds wonderful to me. <laughs> so let's talk about your work, your book. What was the inspiration and intention of writing your book, Live With The Lights On? Um, so actually it's a funny story and, you know, cause writing books is usually a funny story, um, yeah, in some sure. way. There's, yeah. Right. I mean, it's, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I actually have four volumes of this book complete. Two are out, are, are out and available for, um, and two are just right now, literally as we speak, um, getting ready for publication. So, these books started for me when I joined Facebook and started my private practice. I don't know, uh, it was like 2006, 2007. And every morning, as I still do, I would do my morning meditations. And, you know, I, I had started my, my live with the lights on practice. And so I, um, where I was seeing clients and teaching. And so I started a business page. And at the time, people were actually seeing what was going on <laughs> business pages. It was very different then. Um, and so after my meditation each morning, I would just post whatever kernel of wisdom that I received for myself. And and it's funny because uh, my husband and I were just talking about this the other night. You know, so the, it was also at the time the... Um, you only had, it was sort of like Twitter, you only had a certain amount of characters that you could put in the comment or in the box or for the post. Some of them are are a bit shorter than 
than others. Um, but anyway, so for several years, I did this and they were constantly being shared. And I mean, it would start these great conversations and it started to happen that people kept saying, you know, when are you going to write a book? I want these in a book. Cause I, you know, they, they didn't want to save them every day. They were like, I, I, I actually want something physical that I can hang on to. And so I heard people saying that for years and I just, I, you know, I, I'm someone who really sort of waits for, I call it sort of the divine or the cosmic nod, you know, like there's a lot of good ideas, but I don't, I try not to do things until they really feel like they're ready and they're aligned. And so it took me some years to do it. Um, but, but I, but I did it and we decided that we wanted to break them down into, um, just a year's worth and to do four of the books so that it wasn't a huge, you know, 365 day, um, but just 90 days. And, and with, within, um, those 90 days each week, there's exercises for people to do just consciousness-based exercise. Um, so that's really the way these books evolved. I, I wrote them over a span of a few years, and then I, I knew I just needed to put them in one place. Yeah, it, it's some wonderful work, though. I have lots of phrases here that caught my attention. I'll be reading them to you in the moment. Some of them I have questions for, some of them I just have the passage but before that, so I have a question here about multidimensional living. What is it? Multidimensional living is remembering, it's it's going back to sort of that remembering. And, and part of the remembering is that we are consistently operating on multiple levels at one time. And I find, you know, there's a lot of people talk about being aligned um, and there's, there's a lot to being aligned. And, and the basis of alignment is getting our mind, body, spirit. I mean, it's even more extensive than that, but in simple terms, getting our mind, body, and spirit in some kind of cohesive alignment. And those are all on different levels. And so the, the these books that I've written are really meant to speak to the reader on multiple levels so that so that there's a consistent conversation and engagement with themselves on all of these levels so nothing gets left out. Wow, and you touch on so many important subjects. So you have important messages here that you divide by day goes by day, 90 days. So each day, I don't have them in sequence in order here, but let me see what I have. Yeah. One of my questions about intuition, a lot of this work of living uh, this way and the multidimensional way, uh, it's being in touch with our own intuition. So can you please explain what what is the intuition and how do we learn to access it? Yeah. So I find that to become more intuitive, most people need to unlearn what they've learned. That intuition is something that each and every one of us is born with. And some of us maybe keep it alive or keep closer contact to it more than others, but that it's always there. It's it's no different than cars and phones having GPS on them now. It's just they're built that way. And that's the way that we're built. Um, and so I find that, especially when I'm working with people, um, and particularly those who come to me for intuitive development, it the, the conversation and the and the healing work is really let's unravel all the reasons why you're choosing not 
to listen to your intuition or you're choosing not to see your intuition because being intuitive is being truly empowered. And I and I and there's a lot of reasons why we sort of step out of empowerment. Um, and so I, I it, to me, it's something that's already there. It's something that we have access to. It really is our God self. It is our essence. It is our higher self. That the more that we are consistent in this relationship between our between our mind body spirit between that paradigm in those multi dimensions, the more that we are in that consistent conversation, the easier it is for us to understand the difference of what is fear and what is an intuitive hit. You know, what is anxiety and what is excitement? Because this is something that's really alive for me, and my intuition is compelling me to move towards it. There's a lot of discernment that takes place with intuition, um, and and a lot of it. Has happens in the body. Um, But we've got to get rid of old stories. We've got to get rid of those narratives that are trying to keep us from being in touch with that part of ourselves. So, you know, I find that that's really where the work is because it's something that we all have. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I love the way you talk about fear. So fear, fear, it's easy to tell because the body uh, responds to it clearly all the time. True. But let me ask you a more specific question. Um, What are the signs of when we are, are listening to our intuition and the signs when we are not listening to it? So again, I think it really comes down to discernment. And I'll, I'll say in very simple terms, though, you know, if something feels forced, if it feels heavy, if you feel contracted, if you feel like you're consistently putting something off, if you feel like there is no flow, those are good indications that either A, something is not good for you or B, you're not paying attention to something. If something feels lighter, more expansive, there's more flow, even if it's a challenging thing. You know, I think that's that's one misconception. It's like, oh, well, flow means it's easy. It's like, no, it actually doesn't. There can still be challenges. It's just that there is this internal experience of flow that we have um, that we become more in tune with um, and and then we understand how to follow it. Now, where where I think discernment becomes really important is we talk about fear. Yes, fear can talk to us and a lot of us will have that feeling in our gut, for example, like that gut feeling. A lot of people are familiar with that. But what I've come to understand over the years of working with thousands of individuals and, and even in my own work is that, you know, as, as many know, we have a lot of brain matter in our stomachs. So it, it takes more awareness to discern the difference between something that is not good for you and that's why you're feeling the fear versus, oh my gosh, I'm feeling fearful of this and I'm not willing to take on this challenge because it's reminding me of things that have happened in my past. And so it's really like this way of projecting into the future and sort of fooling ourselves and, and maybe moving ourselves out of our intuition. So there's a. This is why the multidimensional aspect is so important because we are constantly getting feedback, and when we know ourselves on all these levels, we understand the the different sensations in our own body and our own energy system when we're fooling ourselves versus when we're being truthful with ourselves. Wow, and that takes a lot of uh, self awareness, right, Katie? Yes, self knowledge. Um, so that's when the powerful practices like meditation and breathing, you talk 
you talk a lot about breathing, actually, techniques. So would you say first meditation, this is one of the techniques that you recommend, the self-awareness? I would, but but I think there's there's some important points. Um, I actually say if if we could only do one thing between breath and meditation, I would say breath is the most powerful thing that we can do. So I would actually, again, if I had to choose, I would choose breath over meditation. And yet my my hope would be that both are happening. Um, and and doing breath work prior to meditation often makes meditation a lot easier for people, um, which I don't I don't. Don't know it, it's taught that way enough. I'd like to see that piece of meditation be taught more that way because I think a lot of people have the idea that all meditation is pretty much mindful meditation where you just have to sit quietly and follow your breath. And quite honestly, yes, that's a beautiful way to meditate, but the majority of people have a really hard time doing that. And I think that sends a lot of people away from meditation. Um, and so, so yes, meditation is important, but particularly finding the ways that, that meditation works for you is the most important. So I say breath work first and then find the ways that are, are accessible and possible for you to meditate and start there. That's so uh, enlightening because I also thought about meditation first and that's very interesting that you bring the point of breathing first. Yes. Um, yeah, when you think about the essentials of life, your breath is number one, right? Yes. So talk to me about the different kinds of breathing techniques and how can we practice them on a daily basis? Like now, how could I practice these breathing techniques now, which I have been practicing <laughs> as I talk to you? <laughs> Great. Good, good, good. Um, and, you know, so first and foremost, um, you know, we, we live in a busy world. I think even in today's world, we need to have these practices work for us. So the first thing is, is yes, is it wonderful if you could get up early every morning and spend a few minutes doing breathing techniques? Absolutely. For everyone that, for not, for everyone that, that doesn't necessarily work. So I will, I always say this, I will probably say this until the day that I die. Every time I go into the restroom, I spend a minimum of 30 seconds using my breath. And I'll, I'll give a couple of examples. But when you get in your car, spend 30 seconds to a minute with your breath or longer if you can. Like build it into places where you will remember and that it's easy to do. And, and you can do things as simple as um, I think what a lot of people in the West now are calling box breathing, where you inhale for a count of four, for example hold your breath for a count of four, exhale for a count of four, and then hold your exhale for a count of four. It can be any any length of time. You just want it to be equal parts. That's why it's called box breathing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But that's a really simple one to do that people can do sitting at their desk. You know, I mean, you can be anywhere and no one has to know. Um, I also find that alternate nostril breathing, it's it's um, also called uh, Nadi Chodna um, in Sanskrit. It's, it's a lot of people who do yoga might be familiar with that. That one is really powerful um, because of the way it works with the chambers of the brain. And it can actually activate both chambers of the brain and it, it's very quick 
to turn on the relaxation response, which allows um, things like meditation or focus or clarity to be that much more accessible. Now, most breathing techniques are going to give you that, but not. But the way that alternate nostril breathing works, because it sends so much potent prana or life force into the chambers of the brain, it's very effective and very fast. So you could do that for 30 seconds to a minute, do a few rounds of alternate nostril breathing. That's something you can look up and find on YouTube. And and it's like, it's a game changer. So would you say this one would be the most powerful one to practice, the alternative? It's one. I mean, honestly, there's there's like thousands. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> but I would say that that is definitely one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for example, you can use it in, in a, an adjusted way. If you're having a hard time falling asleep, if you're someone who deals with insomnia, if you just cover your right nostril and breathe through your left nostril, and you can even lie on your right hand side if that's comfortable for you, it's not totally necessary. That's actually going to um, it, it it activates the the part of you that that says, oh, it's it's time to go to sleep. It relaxes your nervous system in a way that helps you go to sleep. Similarly, focusing on your right nostril, co- closing up your left nostril and breathing just through the right nostril in the morning, if you're feeling extra sluggish, is actually going to give you a, a burst of energy. So you can even do that at 3 p.m. if you deal with that you know, mid-afternoon slump. Just spend 30 seconds to a minute breathing just in your right nostril and it's going to give you a, a boost. Yeah, that sounds really, really good to me. I will practice this one for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, I love it. So I selected some passages here, not in order and not necessarily the entire passage, just uh, parts of it. There is one that you say, there is nothing left to heal. There is nothing else to seek. Life is about joyful evolution because... That is the very nature of life itself. How did you come to this understanding yourself that there's nothing to heal, nothing to look for? It really hit me hard. And and I think when I wrote that one, I was moving through some of my own stuff in my life. And I recognized that this idea of constantly seeking was sending me on a journey of, in some ways, looking outside of myself. Um, You know, maybe that next event or that next book or that next thing. And this idea of healing would or was constantly keeping me in this cycle of something is broken, something needs to be changed, something needs to be fixed, something needs to be different. And and when I got to the certain place within myself, it was like, wait, that's all, that's all those things that my ego self, which I'm I'm not opposed to the ego. I, I, I'm not at all actually. I think there's a healthy healthy way to use it, nice. but but it wasn't like the health part of my ego. And it's like, wow, that's just keeping me spinning my wheels. And it's keeping me thinking that there's this like elusive dangling carrot that I'm never going to reach. And, And if I'm truly in this present moment, I understand that the kingdom of God is within me, that that I am in this sacred body. I am in this sacred relationship with all there is. And there is nothing to seek. There is, There really is what's left is 
beingness and looking at what is reflecting back at me and what am I reflecting out? And and so it just really changed the conversation for me that I didn't want to f- come from a place or this energy of feeling broken anymore because at the time I there was a part of me that that was carrying that with this idea of healing and seeking. I got to get to the next thing because I've got to fix myself. And 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 I reached the place where it was like, gosh, that's not true at all anymore. My life is about evolving. It's not about fixing. It you know, it's about being and and reflecting the sacred nature of all there is that I have access to at any moment. Yeah. Yes. And that is such a profound understanding, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. It's a game changer. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So you just mentioned something interesting too, uh, the healthy ego. So what is the healthy way of embodying the ego? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I feel like the ego often gets a very bad rap and you know, and I and I under I definitely understand why because if we have an imbalanced ego that's sort of hijacking the rest of our life, it, it can often look like a mess. I mean, I know I have certainly been there in my life. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> and I know others can relate. Yes, um, but we are here in these beautiful personalities as a way of learning how to connect and express and to hold our leadership, whether we're leading our own lives or leading our family or leading community or leading a business, it doesn't matter. I think that we're all leaders in some way. And and so we need to have a, a, a defined self that we show up into the world with. And to me, that is ego. And the best way to work with our ego is to let it be a servant of our intuition. Let the ego be always in service of our higher selves, of our purpose. And in that case, we are going to be able to be a very guided, very balanced ego self that is in check, that is balanced, that is continuing to co-create a life that is worth living. Yeah, as you mentioned earlier about that everything is just so interconnected that we don't even know where God is. It's in everything. So it's the ego or no ego. It's it's still God and still love. Yes. I have a question about the soul. You mentioned uh, something like uh, the purpose of the body is to allow you to experience your soul's purpose. Is there a difference between the spirit and the soul? You know, I I get that question a lot too. And, you know, in some ways, I always feel like it's a fair question and I feel like it's where our humanity has us starting to sort of split hairs. And I say that with love because I yeah. certainly have had the same questions. You know, I mean, I, I, I question like everyone else does. Um, right. <laughs> but the way that I see it, and, and I feel like, you know, this comes from the way that I dial into people um, intuitively when I'm working with them is the soul is really the part of us that has been and will always be. You know, it is it is much larger than our physical bodies. It's it's far greater than we could possibly imagine. And and I see that the spirit that our spirit is a, a piece of that soul that is closer to us in this incarnation, meaning it's easier for us to feel, it's easier for us to sort of bring it down vibrationally so that we can really experience it more. Because I 
the the soul like if we were to if we were to actually manifest the entirety of our soul into these physical containers i think we'd probably burst into flames oh, because it's wow. that powerful and it's that bright and it's that big mm. and so i see i see the spirit as sort of being a a condensed portion of the soul, if you will, that we come in here to work with. That's the best way I can explain it. Because it's sort of like trying to, you know, differentiate the wave from the ocean. It, it's it's kind of like that. Yeah, and it is. <laughs> I like the way you made this, um, yeah, the sense of humor, That because that's true. <laughs> uh, I agree 100%. Yeah. So you also talk about the energetic signature. What is that? Everyone has an energetic signature and it's it's really um, essentially like our vibrational frequency. It's no different than having, um, you know, we all have different fingerprints. It's the same way with our vibrational frequency. And, and another analogy would be is if, if we could imagine that all of humanity and all of the sentient beings in the world and, and actually even the, the plants and the flowers, imagine that we were just this huge symphony. We are all our own in instrument and we are all playing a song together. And so there is a there would be a particular sound, a particular vibration coming off of each individual instrument, even though, you know, obviously at a certain certain place we're not individual, but we come here and and there is a sense of individuality. And so we carry with us this particular pattern of energy, particular waves of energy that are just ours. And so that's what the signature is the energetic signature and um on self-healing i have a question you write about that we are creating we are created to be self-healing and self-knowing and then you you speak of self-love what is the role of self-love in self-healing I really feel like it's it's everything. Um, to be honest, I think it's hard to, or it's much more challenging to get through life, to evolve, and to grow when we don't have self love. Because I believe that self love gives us the will to care enough about our own development. When we don't have self love, it's easy to. It's no wonder, you know, without self-love, we see a lot of people who are dealing with depression, who are dealing with a lack of motivation or who are dealing with maybe toxic behaviors that are getting them, you know, consistently in, into trouble. Um, so when we have a certain level of self-love or even we're trying we're, we're trying to develop self-love and we're acting as if, to me, that that's fine too. Yeah. It, it helps yeah. us actually take the energy that we need in, um, to grow and evolve and it challenges it into a productive direction um, to keep moving us forward. Um, so at the bottom of, or at the, the foundation of self-love, there's reverence for the self and connection to um, something greater within ourselves, like the God self or whatever you want to call it that we're tuned into. And I feel that that's a really important aspect of any way that we're trying to heal or grow and evolve. Yes, I agree. What are some of the practices that you would um, suggest, some basic ones for self-love? 
Well, believe it or not, I do believe that breathing is a part of that because it does yeah. disperse. You know, if, if someone yeah. is dealing with clogged energy um, or if someone's overly empathic and they're just constantly feeling so much of other people's stuff that they can't even find themselves within that, doing breath work is really a way of, of dispelling and dispersing some of that clogged energy, if you will. But I, I, I am a, a fan of... Um, you know, writing down acknowledgements uh, each day. Like, what did I do today that I feel good about? What, how could I see certain aspects of myself as a gift? What have I contributed? Um, and there's always, you know, looking in the mirror and I think really honoring what we see in the mirror and, and certainly taking care of ourselves. You know, I think at least for me, and I, I know this has been true for other people, but I went through a period in my life where I was agoraphobic and very depressed and on lots of medications. And I was not tending to my self-care, just my basic, like taking a shower every day, putting makeup on, you know, whatever those things are. Um, I, I say do them because that's showing, that's showing self-love. It's showing, it's not about other people. It's about how we are attending to these temples. And there's a lot in that. Wow. That is so um, true about self-care. Yeah. Cause that that might not be self-love itself yet, but yeah, it is certainly part of it or path to it, right? Yes, yes. You also talk about failure. You say failure or what you perceive as failure, it's not personal. How do you define success and why are we so afraid of failure? I think defining success is really different for everyone. Um, my definition of success is sort of what I was talking about in the beginning, where being healthy, having a certain level of vitality, um, having harmonious home life, um, loving myself, loving the work that I do, um, feeling like I, you know, I wake up with a purpose, things like that are success. And obviously finan financially being healthy. Um, you know, I, I think there's a different level of enough for everyone. And I, I, I'm not saying, you know, it needs to be like wealthy, wealthy, even though there's nothing wrong with that either. It's like, right. but if I know that we can feed our family and, and I can keep doing my good work, in the world, then for me, that's success. And, and this idea, this notion of failure and, and the fear of it, I, I really believe is a result of us forgetting who we are and, for, and not remembering our essence and not remembering that we came here to have a full spectrum of experiences. And, and that's just part of the journey. That's why it's not personal. It's not, you know, it doesn't mean anything about us if, if, we, if we quote unquote fail. Um, it means that we have a beautiful challenge before us and we have something to work with and work through and get to the other side of because I find most people who have had a, some kind of failure, the, the failure is really a doorway to a breakthrough and, and something really grand on the other side. And so I, I, see, I see it as um, you know a sacred event that can really be celebrated, but it, it helps if we remember that. Yes, that goes back to uh, that self-awareness and knowing yeah. yourself, right? Absolutely. So I uh, have one more question before I ask you my final ones. You said, everything has a season and a cycle. That is the natural order of life itself. 
So my question is about uh, the fear of death, going back to fear. Why are most people afraid to die? I think it goes, well, there's probably a lot of different, that's probably its own whole show, but <laughs> I think right. in, in essence, um, it's the great unknown for a lot of people. You know, I mean, for for so many, it's, you know, there's either nothing over there or what is over there or is there hell? You know, what is it? The the human and the fear of the unknown is, I think, one of the greatest things. And and because we we have forgotten, I'm going back to the remembering, we have forgotten, um, it's easy to see it as this great unknown. Um, and so I think that that's ultimately where the fear comes from for a lot of people. Um, you know, and, and for me, because I've always seen beyond the veil and I've, I've volunteered in hospices and I've been on that journey where I've been with people as they've transitioned and been with animals as they've transitioned. And I've, you know, just been there for the whole process and, and been able to watch it. You know, on my father's deathbed, the last things that he said, and he was really grappled in his relationship with God for a good part of his life. And he was so terrified of what what was over there. And the last words out of his mouth, um, he had been lying with his eyes closed for several days and we knew it was just a matter of time. He His eyes flew open and he gasped and he said, oh, it's God and it's good. And he closed his eyes and he went shortly after. And so I think I think that really says it all. He was so scared of what could be over there. And once he knew, he was totally at peace and he was free to go. Mm, right. Wow. So sometimes it happens right at the last moment. Yes. Right? That's, do you think it's... Uh, it's important to um, actually die before we die, <laughs> to have that glimpse while we are alive, or is that it's okay to just have that understanding as we lose the body? I I really think that that's personal to everyone, and but but what I do believe and have seen is that ultimately everyone can reach that state of peace. You know, from it, it could be just after you've left the body and you see this beautiful reunion of all of your loved ones who have gone before you, who are waiting and celebrating your arrival, um, because that happens too. So I think it comes to us in the way that it needs to, but it, it happens for all of us at some point. Yeah. How wonderful. I absolutely love your, uh, not just wisdom, but clarity. That's uh, something that came across a lot uh, listening to you. Thank you. So would you like to add anything, Katie, before I ask you my final questions? Not that I can think of. <laughs> so my final questions, I think I have about four of them here. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself? Oh, for me... The hardest lesson about myself was me owning my gifts. I pretty much had to be backed up against a wall before I was really willing to put myself out there. And I caused a lot of pain for myself in the process of denying and not wanting to own the totality of myself. And so, you know, I do believe that everyone comes here with a great gift. And I unfortunately think a lot of the pain that, that many people ex experience is the denial of that because life really does change when we embrace our gifts. And 
that can be very scary. So for me, I think that that, and I've been through quite a bit in my life. I think that overall had been, was the hardest so far. I mean, I'm still young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are. There's still time. <laughs> True. <laughs> now, you, I think you, you know enough <laughs> uh, to apply that knowledge, yeah, which becomes ultimately wisdom, right? And we need to see more of that in the world too. This uh, power within, just that that voice, just being manifested, because we see a lot of the opposite, um, a lot of power without wisdom. So thank you. Guess my other questions about healing. Yeah, what is another word for healing? Uh, me, my favorite is expansion or evolving, because ultimately, I think that's really what it is. I don't think anybody's broken. I, I think we all come here to grow. And and so to me, it's it's all about expansion, expansion of self. Yeah, yes, a thousand times, yes. If you knew you would die soon, meaning leaving the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? Do you know, I actually wouldn't. Mm, yeah. I'm very satisfied with my just even my day to day that I, I got to be honest, I actually wouldn't. I love that answer. <laughs> Every time I hear from my guests, that's when we know we are living the, the purpose. Yes. And my last question yes. is what uh, what are three things about life, you know, for sure, as of today? That there is God in everything and everyone, that God is always being reflected back to us and that we are all we are all truly gifted and intuitive, and it's time that we step into that. Yes. It has been a wonderful conversation. Uh, thank you so much for your presence, your wisdom, your clarity, and your peace. You also, um, through clarity, you manifest and you evoke a peace. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Um, yes. Yeah, so you can just go to livewiththelightson.com. Um, that's my website. I'm also, I'm on social media as Live With The Lights On, also Katie Bray. Um, and then my books can be found on the website or um, on Amazon. Thank you so much again, Katie. And we'll talk soon. Thank you. Wonderful. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Katie Bray, please visit her website, livewiththelightson.com. For about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Bickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. Bye.